if our audience hears nothing else out of this conversation, what do you want them to take away today? Ready? Yeah, I feel like there's another takeaway. I feel like there's another takeaway. Let's say that, and then we'll add on to it. Okay, ready? Yeah. Three, two, two one. one. The grass is greener where you water it. Here's the million dollar question. How do men like us reach our full potential, grow into the men we dream of being, while taking care of our responsibilities, working, being good husbands, fathers, and still take care of ourselves? Well, that's the big question. In this podcast, we'll help you answer those questions and more. My name is Brent, and welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast. Welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for all things man, husband, and father. Big shout out to Shout out to Fallible Nation. That's our private community. There's more about that in the show notes or the description. And a warm welcome to our first-time listeners. Hey, I know there's a lot out there, so thank you for taking the time to give us a shot. Please leave us a view, a comment. Let us know. Reach out to us on social media at The Fallible Man. Tell us what you think of the show. We'd love to hear your opinion. My name is Brent, and today my guests are Intimacy Alchemist, Meshach and Annabelle. Meshach, Annabelle, welcome to The Fallible Man Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for jumping with the time differences. This is one of the cool things about podcasting is we can be all over the world and still do these great things. Absolutely. Yeah. We're in this together. (laughs) So how's your trivia? Ooh, trivia. I don't know. I I can't say. I haven't done a trivia quiz of any kind in many years. (laughs) Definitely not our remit. (laughs) Let's do it. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Let's, let's go. Let's go. Okay. Here's the show trivia. Who is generally considered the inventor of the motor car? Is it A, Henry Ford, B, Carl Benz, or C, Henry Leland? Uh, we did this the other day with the boys. I don't know if we did this. Now, I'm going to say, I, I feel like it's a trick question. I think generally considered, however, and that is the question, Henry generally considered it would be Henry Ford. I think it's generally considered that. Is it the, is it the sports car you said or the motor car? The motor car. Car in general. I feel oh, like it's Henry Ford. Henry Ford who's generally considered that. Okay. Now, guys, you know the rules. Play along at home. Don't cheat. Don't write if you're driving. Please, that's not safe. And we'll come back to that later in the show. Right. <laughs> now, you guys have listened to the show, so... You know, I'm not in introductions. So in your own words today, in this moment, who is Meshach and Annabelle? In this moment. Do you want to go first, baby? In this moment. Yes. We are autonomous beings. We are forever becoming. We are parents. We are spouses. We are lovers. Mm -hmm. We are thrill seekers. We are adulting. We are learning. We are unlearning. We're expanding. Mm -hmm. What else? feel like you covered it that was beautifully said yeah that was beautifully said i don't think i would add anything else okay if you won 10 million dollars tomorrow what would you spend it on 10 million dollars oh i mean there's so much that we would break that up into wow um there's so much that we would break it up into but i feel like you'd invest it we would definitely invest it, but I feel like if we're going for the fun answer, we would finally take the boys to Disneyland, our yeah. sons to Disneyland, for sure. Yeah. 
without any without any concerns about you know payments of rent or payments of this or payments of that so that's for sure and it would be on first first class <laughs> and it would be at a five diamond resort 100% <laughs> that's for sure okay what is your favorite childhood memory do you know what's come up for me randomly? So we were talking about this the other day. So after school, you know, they've got after school programs. It's eating these, um, I don't know what you call them in the US, but like these biscuits, digestives. Are you familiar with those? Mm. Like a baked biscuit. It's like the most mm. basic one you can have with like orange squash and eating the rim where it was like toasted and dipping it into the squash until it's broke apart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, wow uh and being outside <laughs> yeah what's my favorite memory of, of being a child i feel like it's i, I at, at a point lived in or dwelt in kenya and that was i had really fond memories in kenya and i think the going to school on a boat was a majorly fond memory going for because we lived on a little island and i went to school on another island so we used to take as a commute, we used to take a boat. So I feel like that that's the major memory that comes to mind for me. Very different. <laughs> See, and for those of us who are a little more sheltered, I, I had no idea there were islands around Kenya. Yeah, yeah, they're mm. wrong. Uh, that's, that's amazing. Is that like off the coast or is that on a river? Or... Yeah, um, I can't remember the exact, because I haven't actually done the geography, like the actual geographical research, but I feel like it's uh, it's near Mombasa, which is one of the major cities within Kenya. Yeah. Um, and it's on the coast. Yeah, Lamu. definitely. It's Lamu. That's what yeah. the, the island was. But it's closest to, as far as like major cities are concerned, closest to Mombasa. Okay. Okay. If I was to sit down and have dinner with you guys and like the whole family, what is a funny story your family would tell on you? Oh. God, a funny story. Tell on us. They'd be talking about us. So imagine my sisters, let's say my sisters or your brother or whoever else were around the table and they're just cracking up, talking about this occasion between us. Gosh, I don't, I don't know. There was that time you wore that wig, that ginger wig. There was that. <laughs> One of my sisters went to, that was for my birthday. That was, I believe, six years ago for my birthday. And we were at my mum's stroke sister's house and my sister has a few wigs, and I wore both of them. I wore a black wig he and I wore like, a brown wig. He looked like Teen Wolf, but like just yeah, the red yeah. Hair. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and it was and I've, like I've got pictures seamless. to prove this. I've got pictures to prove this, Brent. So maybe I'll send you one after the show. Bruce, so <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll put that in the show notes. Definitely, they would definitely talk about that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, thank you for sharing that. That's a great visual. I'm. <laughs> Genuinely like Teen Wolf. Annabelle is not exaggerating. <laughs> uh, that, right, we, we we all have those great stories. I uh, there there is actually photographic evidence of me going as a woman for Halloween in high school. Really, I, I just had hair down the middle of my back yeah. in high school. What's that? In high school, I had hair all the way down the middle of my back. Uh -huh. So yeah. I, I actually legitimately went as a woman for Halloween, like when wow. I was seventeen or something. Was it a woman of notoriety or just, just a woman? Just a woman. Just a woman in general. Because <laughs> this me, year. Me, me and my best friend went as women 
we were both uh, competitive <laughs> divers and we both had long hair. And so we went as women with his girlfriend and the three of us went, went out for Halloween. And it was There's like three, three lovely young ladies, ladies three yeah. lovely yeah. young ladies having hanging a party. Out. Just hanging out. I think the more disturbing fact was the Taco Bell manager actually hit on me. Like, oh my days! Wow. Th those days are gone, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. my Taco Bell manager since. Not generally with the beard, right? It just doesn't. <laughs> hey, hey! <laughs> it's an interesting world we live in sometimes. But yeah, we'll just get, send me the picture. We'll put it in the show notes. Nice little note in there. Nice. Download it would be a, a Google Drive link, right? And yeah. it'll be download this at your peril. <laughs> Absolutely love to see that. That'd be good. What purchase of a hundred dollars or less had you guys made in the last year that's had the biggest impact on your life? The purchase purchase of one hundred dollars or less. I feel like there's there's quite a few. I <laughs> A pull-up bar. I've been using my pull-up bar every single day for maybe a month and a half since Annabelle got it for me for my birthday. Oh, we, me and your mum were in cahoots. Yeah. Because he's he's really hard to buy for, so we have to go practical with him all the time, and he's been on there like the Hulk. Just yeah, so the thing is, when Annabelle says I'm hard to buy for, it's not that I don't appreciate presents, it's more what I'm a practical is. guy, so yeah. if, if I'm going to have a present, I'm going to use it, so it needs to be something practical as opposed to sentimental. So I would definitely say that that's been a great present because I use it every single day yeah. without fail. And a ring light. A ring light's been great. Which, what, which yeah. is what we're using right now. <laughs> Very helpful. Very. How many pull-ups are you up to? I'm up to, in one go, wide grip 15. That's huge, dude. That's that's like top 1% right there. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Seriously, less than 3% of the populace actually works out regularly. Mm. I, I'm also a personal trainer. Uh, less than 20% of the American, uh, I could say the American, I'd say the uh, first world nations, mm -hmm. let's go that way. Uh, less than 3% of the general populace works out three days a week or more. It's insane. And I, I'm nice. over here and we're over here in our bubble because we work out regularly. Even though we don't have gym memberships, we're just at home training. And it feels like, oh, this is standard procedure and protocol. I feel so, so much better now. Wow. I feel so much better now. <laughs> Being able to do 15 consecutive Y-grip pull-ups, mm -hmm. most people can't do one. Mm -hmm. Fewer people can do three. Mm -hmm. Once you're at to where you can do sets of 10, you're, you're doing great. And that's the great thing, actually, having done it so consistently. Mm -hmm. Now it's more or less like, right, I do my 15 and then... I have a, a short break and then I can do another 10 shortly after, even if it's on the middle grip and close grip. So it feels good to be building up that conditioning as well. That's awesome. It's the fallible man, baby. It's the fallible man. Peeves. I'm there. Not, not far behind you. Biggest pet peeves. Oh, biggest pet peeves. Oh my God. I've got so many. <laughs> Yawning. I don't know what it is. I if I can see someone's tongue when they yawn, I literally immediately want to throw up. <laughs> so we were on the underground, the the subway here in London, the underground, and and it happens quite regularly, or more regularly <laughs> than one would expect, where someone on a on a full carriage will just be like, Aah. it's like if you've seen a have you seen a lion roar in slow mm. motion? It looks like that, and it just and Annabelle's like, what, I why, how, I can't, I can't when, where. It. 
I just can't handle it. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Like any mouth sounds, sort of like any of that, I, I literally unfold, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. I would say mine is after a cooking spree at home, an untended to or unredeemed kitchen. So a kitchen which has onions still on the chopping board, which has <laughs> plates and After bowls still in, been in the... Yeah, that's a big pet, pet peeve. And it's because I've actually touted myself a master of <laughs> oh cleaning as God. I go when I cook. <laughs> when I witness anything other than that in our household, it really drives me up the wall. Can you tell this is a regular topic of discussion? I can, I can. Oh, that's funny. What's one completely random fact people don't know about you guys? I used to have one. Now I don't know. A random fact. I feel like most people don't know that I did my 800 meter swimming badge when I was younger. So when I was about 10 or 11, I did my badge for 800 meters in front call, I believe. It was either front call or breaststroke. So I don't think anyone knows that about me. Mine's not as exciting, but I once saw a porcupine that was about two metres tall in Ghana in a zoo. I haven't seen one since. When was that? In the mid-90s? Yeah. I and feel like it wasn't two metres tall. I feel like you were really short and you thought it was two metres tall it was and it was probably about me. half a metre. No, it was two metres tall because the zookeeper was stood next to him and he was a man. Oh. And the only proof I have is that my brother was there with me. So the question, is that a fun fact? About the porcupine like, yeah, or about you? That I saw it. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, so there's no wrong answers. <laughs> no. I enjoy this part of the show just because I enjoy getting to pe know people. This oh, I love that. Yeah, that was awesome. This I love that. So what is one thing everyone should know before we dig into the subject matter for today? What is something that everyone should well, know? Yeah, that um, we're not the finished article and we're really passionate about providing tools that work, that are tried and tested, and that what we're talking about is possible for whoever wants it. Because we, we can say that unequivocally because we've been there, we've done it, and we're still there and we're still doing it, and we know that it does work when you put the work in. Yeah, and it's and it's a practice. Mm -hmm. All right. Guys, we've been getting to know Meshach and Annabelle a little bit and just who they are and connecting with them. In the next part of the show, we're going to dive into 1% love. What is it? What does a successful relationship actually look like? We're going to roll our sponsor and we'll be right back with more from Meshach and Annabelle. Now, before we go any further, I wanted to share with you guys, I don't always tell you how much I love doing my podcast. Like, I passionately love what I'm doing. And one of the things that makes my life better as a podcaster is to work with a company like Grow Your Show. Grow Your Show is a one-stop podcast do it all. Now, I use Grow Your Show for my marketing, but Grow Your Show is literally a one-stop shop. You can record your episode and just drop it off with them and they take it from there. It's amazing. If you are interested in picking up podcasting as a hobby, or maybe you're looking to expand your business and use podcasting in that aspect, Talk to my friends over at Grow Your Show. Adam will take care of you. I guarantee it. I trust him. He's my friend. He's my business colleague. And I wouldn't trust anybody else with my show. 
All right, guys, welcome back. In the first part of the show, we spent some time just getting to know who Meshach and Annabelle are and seeing them as people and understanding a little bit about them. In this part of the show, we're going to dive into 1% love. What is it? What are we talking about? What does a successful success, if I can say successful at six something in the morning, what does a successful relationship look like? Now, I, we'll, we'll start off, guys, with just how long have you guys been together? Mm, coming up to 20 years. Yeah. yeah. 20 years. We've known each other for 22, 23 years yes. now. Yeah, about to, we're about to go into our 23rd year of knowing each other, but we've been together for, for nearly 20 and it's been a hell of a ride, that's for sure. An amazing adventure. Good, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, 20, 20 years we've been together. Okay, well, tell us a story. Tell, tell us the story of Meshach and Annabelle. Ooh, goodness. Well, first and foremost, we met in a choir. We are both singers still to this day. Mm-hmm. We still perform regularly. Do We do a lot of private events, a lot of private parties all across the world. And we met, nevertheless, when we were about 15 or 16 in this choir, and we became really good friends. So we were friends for a few years, and then there was this one pivotal night which changed absolutely everything, where we were at a friend's house with a bunch of friends, got on a Saturday night, as we did, went over. We were in our late teens at this point, and something changed. There was a tension in the air, tensions rose, mm. passions rose, and the next thing we knew, we were like, wait, what, what, what's going on here? And that's what began things. And then, Yeah, and then there was a series of ups and downs and ups and downs. Yeah. and Make-ups and break-ups. Make-ups and break-ups. And then we decided finally that we were going to be together. There was a lot of growth, and the, I think the beautiful thing is we have had some of our formative and pivotal years together. Mm-hmm. We've grown up together. And then we entered into, you know, being girlfriend or boyfriend. And then it was fiance. And then it was spouses, business partners, and, you know... We, parents. Parents as well. Parenthood. Ooh, mm-hmm. God, what a sale. Um, so, yeah, that's that's been the journey. And there's just been a lot of learning, as we said in the beginning, a lot of unlearning as well, growing into, growing apart. Um, and it's a wonderful cacophony of, <laughs> of sorts that we have that we call our life together. Indeed. I love, I love that you guys have history. I, I think some of the most prolific couples that you meet have this crazy mix-up history where they were together and then they weren't, and it was good and it was not. It was we were younger and then we did this and then we would with this right. They have these backstories of this built foundation for their for who they are uh it builds that history together which i think is incredibly important and right 20 years that's that's nothing to sneeze at i uh the yeah. the competitive nature of me went i, I want to be like ah, we, yeah. In April, wow, congratulations! Right, and that that's what that's what blows my mind. These days, that right, you go back two generations, and you got couples that have been together 40, 50, 60 years, mm-hmm. right? long relationships, mm-hmm. and now people hit twenty of the years. They're like, "Whoa, you've been married forever." <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, uh, I went to my parents' 45th, man. What are you talking about? Right. Right. and so that that is part of the reason we're having this conversation today is there are so many relationships that struggle, right? I don't know if it's difference in the way we're taught or the expectations, but so many relationships don't have that lasting love. And so you guys talk about 1% love mm-hmm. on your website, part of your program. And so what is one percent love one percent love is essentially you know it's what 99 percent of people are not willing to do in order to maintain the intimacy the relationship the joy the partnership it's when you see a couple and you see them they, they've got that bond they've got a bond there's a connection and you can't really put it into words it's that it's it's that kind of what do they call it in French? I don't even know. But it, it's the essence of that togetherness, that connection um, with a couple. Yeah, and, and also we, it's yeah. That when when people see this type of love between a couple or those who are in a partnership, they say, wow, how are they so in tune? How are they so connected? Mm-hmm. What is it that they've done to generate or acquire yeah. this type of love? I want that. What do I need to do? Mm-hmm. So it's that type of love. And Annabelle said, as Annabelle said, that really comes from being the 1% who are willing to do what it takes to go the distance with each other and have it all with each other. Now, guys, let's be really clear with the audience. We're not talking that nauseating puppy dog crap you see in the first year or two, like those, those new couples in that puppy dog phase that are just like mauling each other all the time in public. (laughs) And making cutesy baby noises at each other and coming up with a kid. Please, this is not what we're talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is, and and that's what I was about to get onto. This is the, you know, the people that are able to say, I love you, but I don't like you right now, but I love you and because I love you, I'm willing to work on it. Mm-hmm. It's going through the grievances and, and understanding each other and knowing that you're united in where you're going, not necessarily where you're at right now. And it's choosing each other over and over again. When you can't stand each other, when, you know, when one of you is not having a good time, when one of you are having a, a great time, it's celebrating together and also needing space, but knowing that, like, we're a team. Mm-hmm. It's that. That's the difference. And, you know, there's a place for the gooey-gooey thing, mm-hmm. but, you know, it has a sell-by date, and we didn't want to hear that when we first got together, but it definitely has a shelf life. Yeah, it has a shelf life, and it definitely has a sell-by sell by date if you don't have the framework and your structure in place to enable yourselves when you meet the, or you when you go past the honeymoon period, as they've termed it, you if you don't have the framework and tools to get you past that point and into a new iteration of your relationship or sacred union, yeah. then that puppy dog, puppy eyes or whatever you would call it, that is definitely going to have a sell-by date. We found that the reason, one of the reasons why we can term it 1% love is because even though we still go through the same issues that people go through, we've been able to, and this is why we call ourselves intimacy alchemists, we've been able to alchemize or transmute or transform the experiences we have and actually enable us to get back into a real intimate space where there are times and seasons where we do have that that real touchy-feely thing. It doesn't happen every season, right? There are seasons where it doesn't, doesn't happen, but 
we're a lot more intentional about yeah. what we're crafting and creating with each other now as opposed to before. Yeah. And that's what 1% love really is. It's like, you know, when you have a disagreement with someone and then I don't know how many people think like this, but it's like, okay, if we can get through and past this with understanding and listening with each other, we could be stronger. It's that and knowing actually that we have that. We actually are like, okay, we're going to have this bit. We recognise it as a speed bump. And on the other side of it, there's growth. And it's like, we've got more armor for now for the next one. That's what it is. It's choosing. And that's where we choose each other over and over again. I like that terminology that we choose each other daily and over and over again. And and I feel, I feel like the, you know, before I get bagged on for being the I hate love guy, okay? <laughs> there, there's uh, there's a fine line between that obnoxious puppy dog love because I, I've been accused of not being able to be around my wife without touching her. Oh, and to me, I was like, thank, thank you. I'm, I'm not really sure how to, that's a negative, <laughs> but right after 22 years of marriage, I still, if we're in the same room, if we're anywhere close to each other and it doesn't have to be a like sexual touch, it's a, I want to, I'll have my hand on her hip or on her shoulder uh, touching her hand, like I can't be around her and not be touching her. Mm-hmm. And so let me be really clear. I'm I'm talking about that smoochy, smoochy. And I love, I love couples that have been together for years that still kiss in public and hold hands in public. And they you can see they're together. They want to be together. I'm not talking about that, guys. I'm talking about that obnoxious teenage nonsense where you're just <laughs> mauling each other in public. There, there is a difference, right? There, there's some uh, maturity, right? It, we, we start to learn at some point that that's just not what you do in, in general public. Now, what you do behind closed doors, right? When you walk through your house, if you can't help them all each other, great. I'm glad there's that much intimacy and that much excitement wherever you are in your marriage. But... You know, let me just, let me clarify that because I feel like I'm going to get a lot of hate. I'm like, oh, he hates love. No, <laughs> no. I, I adore my wife and I can't help but be want to be with her and touch her and be near her. But I just, I, I walk around, right? And you see, and we all see it. it. You go to the store and you're like, there's that, those teenagers making out like over a cart as they're walking through uh, <laughs> London. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, did you say Walmart? Yeah, yeah. No, we've got Asda here. Asda, so, so Asda was was owned by Walmart. I don't know if it still is, yeah. but it was at one point. But I have seen that couple literally just yeah. last week. Didn't Commented they? on that. Yeah. They were killing each other. I was like, get a. <laughs> but I was happy for them. I was happy for them. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's why I didn't want to come off too harsh. It's like. No, I love couples that have been together for 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years that just are still so passionately and they saw that physical like draw to each other where they want to be touching and they want to be kissing. It's so cute. Like you see an old, old couple kissing in public. I'm just like, oh, that's so cute. Oh my God, it's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. You've got an image it's, of that. It's my favorite. Literally, I have a, I have a picture of an old couple and I've had it for such a long time yeah. they're both wearing yellow American apparel and I'm just like oh I'm, I'm always looking at couples though right yeah I, I, I look at it I just laugh uh, it, it's, it makes me smile it's like I hope yeah. that I am still that passionate 
in my marriage yeah that many years down the road right mm-hmm. i look at that as something like that's 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 a goal right there work towards yeah. this i want yeah. to always look at my spouse and be like yeah baby <laughs> i married her yeah right i feel like yes. i was yeah i get it I yeah. totally get it. No, and then, the need so, to, to really develop yourself consistently because I feel like when you're consistently developing yourself, and we've heard you talk on your previous episodes about the importance of, and I remember remember even you talking that about that. It's like if you're improving yourself, developing yourself consistently, yeah. then naturally that that essence of attraction is always going to be present. Where you're going to be looking at each other and thinking, "Oh my goodness, like wow." I made it big because this individual is committed to their self-growth, is committed to the expanding and, and becoming more refined, if you will. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it's crazy, is right? People don't understand relationships are work. It's a choosing yeah. every single day to put in the effort and the intention and the laps i I, i'd say i i'd say in the gym term right it's 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 putting the reps Mm. yes single day yeah i get that reference yeah we we always (laughs) refer to it as a practice our sacred union of one percent love is a practice yeah you're consistently practicing you're never the finished or definite article every new day or new week or new month or new year brings a new challenge or a new mountain to to ascend to or mountain summit to ascend to and you're practicing that you're improving your your muscle memory and, and all these other things and it's and that's and that's the space we talk about especially with with people that intimacy is built so sometimes people think of intimacy as like sexual but the intimacy there's safe there's um the intimacy of safety of saying or sharing something with your partner with your lover as we refer to everybody and having them actually hear you actively listen to you and then the intimacy of being a good receiver, a good recipient of the information. Now that's something we're still practicing. But once it clicked, it's like, oh, if I can feel safe to share in my sacred union, and if I can practice receiving what's been told to me, then we win. Then we I feel safe. That's so intimate. It just it raises the the vibration between the both of you. And there's just something so beautiful about that. And of course, it manifests itself in the bedroom or wherever else. Mm -hmm. But intimacy, there are so many little areas in which you build it up every single day. Like not reacting, you know, badly when you hear something that your partner shared. That's hard for them to share. That may have, you know, Mm -hmm. in everyday societal um, circumstances may have been like really hard. And sitting and just and listening and be a a good steward and a good house for what's being shared. Mm Once we got that, you know, whilst we were cultivating what we have now, it was like, oh, okay, I feel safer now, so I want to give more of myself. So that's where the intimacy is built in those little moments. Mm -hmm. Now, you guys use the term sacred unions. Mm. Let's, uh, Let's dig into what do you mean when you say sacred unions? In a nutshell, the reason why we distinguish a sacred union of 1% love from standardized phrasing of relationship or relationships is because we've ascertained through our experience that it it takes something more than just saying you're in a relationship. It takes more than that. It takes having a vision for each other. It takes 
having a vision for your union. It takes you being able to identify what you're both committed to and then choosing to ultimately aim to have it all together. That's all the intimacy, the connection, the adventure, the fun, and consistently go almost create this framework where you're going around seasonally in the cycle of experimentation where you're seeing what you want next in your sacred union. You're seeing what you want to experience. You've created, as Annabelle said, that vulnerable, safe space where you can share your, your, your most intimate dreams and fantasies and stuff. And the reason why we call it a sacred union of 1% love, because that takes a level of intention that on a standard level, we don't see generally in relationships. There's a lot of, in a lot of cases, a lot of nonchalance and negligence that come <laughs> from simply saying, right, we're in a relationship or I'm in a relationship. But in distinguishing it as a sacred union of 1% love, we almost have to rise to the occasion. Mm -hmm. We have to say, well, we said that sacred unions of 1% love are defined by this, this, this. We, as a characteristic, say we want to have it all. We say we can have it all. And therefore, we've got to be something distinct as well. Yeah. And just even having the word sacred in there, this mm -hmm. is not regular. This is something that has to be protected from the outside. The world may be going on out there with all its kind of, you know, lions and tigers and bears, but inside here is safe. Inside here is exactly as we build it. And we mm -hmm. built it for our elevation for our safety for our intimacy and it is a sacred space yeah there's never anything from the outside in we'd allow to disrupt what we built inside the sacredness of the of the relationship so that's why we refer to it as a sacred union and also i'm really passionate about and uh, a mm. fan of etymology and looking at the root and etymology is the study of the history and origin of words and looking at the word sacred it has the same root as sacrifice and there's a level of sacrifice and it's not uh an undesirable sacrifice. It's actually a joyous sacrifice that we're making. We're making this sacrifice to, as you put it in one of your previous episodes, humbling ourselves, mm -hmm. being humble enough to say, I don't know it all. I can learn something from my lover. In fact, my lover, in fact, I've said this many times, that this union is the greatest self-developmental project that we can work on because I've got eyes and ears from someone who loves me in the same way that I love myself. I've got eyes and ears on me that enable me to keep on expanding as a being. So there's a sacrifice that comes with the sacredness as well. Are all of you listening sold that these two like each other? <laughs> Have we made the point? Have you gotten it? Uh, I, I, I laugh so hard when... I was doing the research and the prep for the show after we started emailing back and forth and I was looking at your website and uh, enjoying what you had there and, and looking at the way you guys define things and the way you talk about that 1% love where it's just like, you know, so obvious. You look at the couple and you're just like, wow, whatever they, they figured something out, right? They, they just, they, they, I don't know what it is, but I, they figured something out and I love it, right? I, I want that in my relationship. Wow. And I was I was reading through all that. I was like, okay, that sounds good on the website, blah, blah, blah. But now just talking to you guys for the last little while, I was like, okay, I get it now. <laughs> right. 
they they really are like they're together on this in so many ways uh and, and that that intimacy of y'all's relationship comes through when you are like talking together on the show and relating the way you are in tune with each other and in sync with each other it really shows through now for, for some of the guys listening they may be like right you know this is we're they talking about we have to struggle for this. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the truth of it. That's the truth yeah. of it. I love you guys are talking about that. The choosing, the intimacy, the little, the little choices that you mm. choose, right? The the secrets, the conversations, the the holding space for each other to be able to say something and not react badly, right? There are so many little pieces that are so critical to a really healthy relationship. Yeah. And I love listening to you guys talking about it because you're you're hitting all those marks going, yes, yeah. And it's like we don't we, we don't sell that, right? You that doesn't sell in Hollywood. That doesn't sell right. on on shows, right? I I have two daughters, so I watch a lot of Disney movies. I'm watching less these days because Disney is doing some weird crap. But yes, it is indeed. Uh, but one of the things Frozen cracked me up, like Frozen made me laugh out loud, actually, mm-hmm. because Elsa comes to Anna and is like, we're getting married. She's like, you just met him. I love yes. that. I love that they put that narrative in there. I, I actually like literally laughed out loud because Disney finally said the quiet part that every adult has been saying for years. Really? It's like, You've known each other for like two minutes. Literally. Y'all never had any conversation. Uh, was Prince Charming in Snow White. <laughs> he kisses a dead chick in a coffin and they go off and live happily ever after. It's like, this <laughs> was that when you that, yeah. But, but you know what, Brent? You've hit something. You've hit, you've hit on something really important that this is the reason why, or at least partially the reason programming-wise, is part is partially the reason why so many relationships break up prematurely. Now, this is not saying that every single partnership that that is established is meant to last forever, but most folks are jumping off the wagon way too early because they think, oh, it didn't, it didn't happen. The happily ever after thing didn't happen. Why is it that yeah. we've fallen out of love? It's because it's work. And it's and it's, <laughs> it's self-work. Work. And I think self-work what indeed. we what we always say is that we are also the love of our own lives. Mm. Like, there are, and especially to anyone who's listening who's single, it's like, would you date you? Would you want to go the distance with you? Do you know that you're, you know, there's so much that's untapped in you? Mm. That relationship with you, with you have with yourself is the same self you're going to give to your friends, your family, your co-workers, your children. It's the same. So you have to keep pouring into yourself so you're able to give. You can't give away what you don't have. Yeah. So that whole thing of like, I don't, we don't really subscribe to looking for the other half and now I'm complete. It's like you're taking your both your separate worlds and you're choosing to have them alongside each yeah. other. And that sometimes doesn't look pretty. Like in year 10, we went through it. We were passing ships in the night in the same house. And that thing of being able to blame the other over and over again without first looking inside and saying, where am I actually contributing to this? Have I got any limited beliefs that I keep subconsciously bringing into my union that's actually, like, tripping both of us up? It's such... That's the work. 
So, and, you know, we can laugh and joke now, but, you know, year 10 was rough for us. Mm -hmm. We literally almost called it a day. But when we realised that we loved each other and that we were going to have to do work, we had to forget anything we'd ever heard yeah. or we'd ever seen. And also, I mean, I can speak for myself and I think I can speak for you when I say this, mm -hmm. maybe that we also had to see each other with new eyes. Yeah. We had to see that we are not the 18, 19-year-olds that we got, got together as. This is a woman. The woman that I'm looking at is a woman. She's a mother of two. She has big dreams. She's creative. She's intelligent. She's, she's intuitive. I need to start looking at her from the perspective of this womanhood now. And, and vice versa. Yeah, and that really helped me to see her in, in a light where I wanted to be the best man for her. I didn't want to coast in any way, shape, or form. And obviously, going back to what you were saying, baby, about being the best for yourself, and I think I've heard you say this as well, Brett, yes. in previous episodes, it's about being the very best version of yourself mm. for yourself because you love yourself that much. Yeah. And that will certainly spill out into your sacred union. I love it. I love it. Guys, we've been discussing 1% love. What is it? What does a successful relationship look like? You know what? We even delved into some extra here and just had some really kind of conversation about there's a lot of work in a successful relationship. That's what it looks like. Uh, and I, I love the vulnerability of that, you know, in year 10, it was struggles. Every couple I know who's made any distance in their marriage will say there's a, there's a season or multiple seasons where it's like, wow, I don't know if we're going to make this right. So in the next part of the show, we're going to dive into how to build more intimate relationships with your partner. We're going to roll our sponsor. And we'll be right back with more from Meshach and Annabelle. How well do you sleep at night? Do you toss and turn and wake up more tired than when you went to bed? Sleep is commonly one of the critical elements people fall short on in their life. The quality of sleep you get directly affects your ability to control your weight, your ability to add muscle, your stress levels, and your everyday job and life performance. If you're ready to move to the next level, then sleep has to be part of the plan. Check out our friends at ghostbed.com if you're ready to get your best sleep. I love my ghost bed. I've been sleeping on one for a couple of years and has made a huge difference in how I sleep. Hit ghostbed.com and use the code thefallibleman30 to get 30% off your order and start getting better night's sleep tomorrow. Now, let's go on to the show. All right, guys, welcome back. In the last part of the show, we were discussing 1% love. What is it? What is a successful, successful, I just can't say that word today, relationship actually really look like? What does it entail? How does it work? In this part of the show, we're going to dive into how you can build a more intimate relationship with your partner, your spouse, whatever term you want to use. How can you build that real intimacy that helps your love stand the test of time? And we, we touched on this a little bit, right? We've been talking about the realistic way that relationships work. But we have men listening right now. And some women, I do have some women listeners. Uh, thanks, ladies. I appreciate that. I, I like to look at my demographics and go, hey, look, a, a couple of women actually do listen to me. Um, but we have people listening right now and they're looking at their own relationships going, I'm in a good spot, but I want to be in a better spot because my relationship matters or my relationship is struggling, right? We're going through that difficult season. And so I really want to dig into you guys' suggestions on building that intimacy. And you you talked about, uh, Annabelle, multiple levels of intimacy. And I think a lot of times we get lost. We hear that term intimacy. 
And the first thing that comes to mind is sex. Mm. And honestly, sex is one form of intimacy, but there are so many forms of intimacy, so I'm glad you said that, mm. that contribute to that part of the relationship as yeah. well. How do we build that intimacy that really connects us with our partner? Well, and that's such a, I'm so excited by this question. So if I can cast yourself, the listeners back to year 10 for us, what we had to do after we realized that we were in a really rubbish, and I'm going to use clean English, mm -hmm. rubbish space, was then look at, okay, what does our, what do we want our relationship to look like? So previously our relationship had consisted of the expectations of society, the expectations of family, what we'd seen in the films, as we'd said. And we had one of the most freeing conversations we'd ever had. And I sat and I listened to this man share what he thought the relationship would look like for him to enjoy it, for him to feel like it was growing. And I was given the room to do the same. And then we literally began painting by numbers in various areas, career-wise, personally, as parents, as, you know, spouses, we broke everything down. Because what happens is when a relationship's broken down, those little, those little spaces that we spoke about as the intimacy of, you know, communication, of sex, of, you know, wellness, all of those places had been neglected. So what happens if you neglect something, garden, gym, workout, everything starts to soften and just slowly break down. So we had a conversation about what our relationship would look like at its best, at its most functional, what places in the world do we want to go and visit? You know, what foods did we want to try? How did we want to be spoken to? How did we want to dress? We broke everything down because everything was a mess. And from there, it became work and then it became fun. And we practiced, again, that practice of like, okay, well, I want to try this. And it was listening and watching my lover fill up and light up at what he wanted to do. And that that's literally carrying us through. It's carried us through beyond, you know, this extra 10 years we've had, which has taken us up to 20 years. And the intimacy from that, that vulnerable space that we had, I mean, I always say we got here through blood, sweat and tears, quite literally. Um, and it was having that and it's... and. You know, every season, one thing we say in 1% Love is with every season of yourself, take your lover with you. And what that means is, in this season, things might be really hard financially. In this season, things might be really hard mentally. And what happens is our lover ends up loving the last version of ourselves, the last iOS. And then they say things like, oh, you're not the person I used to know, you know, I, I don't love you anymore because you're not this person. And it's sometimes going, well, who is in front of me? And how did this person get here? And it's consolidating who you are and why. And they're going, okay, cool. Now I know who you are. Let's go into this next season. Rather than dragging this person that they're not anymore through the marriage, calling it a marriage because you live together or you share a friendship circle. No, that's not it. Mm -hmm. You've got to consolidate who they are there may have been things that each of you experienced which have hardened your heart or softened your heart. And you need to be able to, one, feel safe enough to share that and two, be brave enough to walk through the next season now knowing who this person is. So that's another thing that's really pivotal in having a, a sacred union that is strong 
and built and it's a practice of those things it's like okay i'm not this person anymore my lover is not this person anymore they're this person and adding to that and i would say brent just to add on to to what annabelle said and you said that beautifully baby it was so expensive is this that the there's a real important emphasis on self-work we can't stress that enough if one of you and we talk in our sacred union secrets the first sacred union secret is foundation it's about building or rebuilding a blueprint building or rebuilding a foundation in your relationship so that goes back you're going back to the drawing board and you're identifying your values you're identifying your needs and your desires and you're being clear on what you're committed to based on those those the conclusions you've come to but the emphasis on self-work can never be overemphasized because if one of you particularly as a core value base is committed to growing is committed to has a growth mindset and is consistently looking at the next way they can improve themselves but the other one has more of a fixed mindset and feels that what they've learned everything they need to know they are the way they are they are they they mental or emotional constitution is the way it is they can't affect it can't transform it in any way you're fighting a losing battle so i would say as a starting point you have to both be committed to self work if you're to get the type of love we're talking about if you just want the run of the mill relationship that you know is kind it's all right it, it's it's decent that's that's not what we're talking about what we're talking about is at every point you're able to reinvent yourself and your sacred union so that you have level of levels of intimacy that you didn't have in the season before mm. or the season before that you're able to face every breaking top point and every breakdown and say there's something in this there's a breakthrough on the other side of this and there could only actually be a breakthrough with this breakdown and breaking point mm. so let's work together on the same team mm-hmm. in order to get to the breakthrough and in fact that's one of our mantras mm. our mantra which has served us so well over the last 12 years of being married is i love you and we're on, on the, the same, same team. team we say that regularly we have said that regularly over the years and we've actually created a formula out of that so yeah but a, a formula beyond that which is yeah just something that we go deeper with on that point but i love you and we're on the same team we're look where we've got the same vision we are in this together in spite of the way it feels right now let's say hypothetically you you're having a breakdown you are at breaking point all right this feels terrible at the moment it feels horrible i hate what i'm feeling right now but i know that there's a mutual commitment to seeing what's on the other side of this that can only really come from a self work centered place when you're both about this self work. So I would say that in addition to what Annabelle said as well. What do you guys tell your clients to avoid? Right? As much as we have the list of do's, right? Things that are essential to building that relationship. You guys work with couples. What are the essential don'ts that you see that are just dragging relationships down? that's such an interest to me because the couples we tend to work with are ones that are willing they they tend to be couples that they know that everything's a mess but they're willing to do something that they that's not obvious to them so what we try to do 
is avoid blaming each other. We emphasize a lot on looking at what the problem is and how both parties are contributing to that, mm -hmm. even if it's a 70-30 thing, because we have to deal with what's in front of us. So there, I guess in that way, there are more leaning towards the do's than the don'ts. But equally, you touched on a great point there, baby, that don't look at them as if they're the contrib contributing party. Mm. Obviously, there are exceptions to the rule where you do have some real imbalances in relationships, mm. where there are abusive relationships and stuff. We're not talking about that. As a gen On a general base or scale, most folks or most relationships mm -hmm. have two contributing parties which are affecting the way the relationship's going. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that we would say don't do is don't point the finger at them as if you haven't contributed to this. Mm -hmm. You've contributed just as much, if not more. In fact, I like to say this, and that we, we live in a realm and a universe of paradox and polarity, right? Mm -hmm. So this isn't an absolute statement but, statement, but I like to say this. I've, I'm the reason why my relationship's like this. Good or bad, I'm the reason why. Mm -hmm. And I like taking that stance because it, it, it keeps me powerful. If I keep on shifting the blame and my way of being is intimating that I'm not, uh, I'm not the reason why mm -hmm. things are the way they are, mm -hmm. then naturally I'm actually in a powerless position. So don't be powerless by, sh by pointing fingers. Look at yourself, look at how you're contributing and impacting the relationship because that is the only way that you're going to actually be able to make a difference. And that is, we never ever paint that as an easy thing. It feels no. uncomfortable and we're always, always very, very big on saying, look, it feels uncomfortable, but that's just what it is. That is what it is. Just Sorry, charging just up getting up the charge And um, that's what it is. So we, And that's where we'd encourage the couples we work with to practice that that looking at themselves, that uncomfortability going, oh, I can see where I've actually, in my silence, or even in, in, in where I've been vocal, where I've contributed. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now guys, if, if this is resonating with you, if you're really getting something out of this, be sure it helps out, leave us a review, tell us that you enjoyed this episode, that is helping you, that you're taking something away from it. Uh, leave us a comment on whatever platform you are. Click that like button. If you happen to be on YouTube, all that good social media nonsense, I'd love to hear what you have to say about this show. You guys know I hate that part of this. Uh, it's, it's like the bane of my existence, putting the social media nonsense out there. Um, what are three steps that our listeners can take away from this conversation to start implementing building a more intimate and connected relationship with their partner? The first thing is always either start from the drawing board if you're starting your relationship or in your the, the early stages, or if you've been in your relationship for a considerable amount of time, go back to the drawing board. Yeah. Simple. Identify your values. What do we mean by values? That which inherently is important to you. Not the type of stuff where it's like, oh, that's important to me. Oh, that's important to me. No. Actually, what is it that makes you tick? And this comes with some self-analysis and contemplation, right? Which is why we're so big on the self-work. Because if you don't know yourself, you're not actually going to be able to be able to identify those things. So it takes some experimentation. But it means you both coming to the drawing board and identifying and sharing, baby, this is actually 
what makes me tick. This is really important to me at a core level. Like, if this isn't honoured, if this core important aspect of myself isn't honoured, I don't know if we can survive this and vice versa. And that honesty is very important because it puts you in a very strong starting position. So there's that, that's as a first thing. Do you want to add a second? I was going to talk about the disagreement. So we reframe disagreements as opportunements. So they're an opportunity in the moment to look at what keeps coming up as a disagreement and how you're disagreeing about the thing. So if there's something that keeps reoccurring and you keep disagreeing about this thing, that's a topic of discussion that you need to make time to discuss in your sacred union. The second is your lens. So my lens of Meshach is that he's capable, that he loves me, that he's on my team, that he's understanding. If my lens or my view of him is that he's committed to misunderstanding me, he ain't but a dirt on the back of my shoe, you know, how I talk to him, that, that energy is going to be in there. So I have to look at, you know, if this disagreement keeps coming up, how is that I actually view the person that I say I love every day? And it's about really, really being honest about that and communicating that and as to why. Oh, I actually think of you like this and it stemmed from that time where you didn't hold the door for me yeah. or you, you finished my food even though I said I was hungry and I was tired. Like, it could be silly little things like that. But, you know, in saying that, it is very important for everyone listening mm. to know, if you're not aware that what Annabelle just said about it stemmed from this little thing, don't discount yeah. or don't underestimate those little moments in the past in your relationship or in, in the past with in other relationships or friendships where something's happened and it's created a trigger point yeah. within you that now you bring it into this new space and you're getting triggered by your lover in this new space thinking it's them when in fact it's Nothing that which is which is rooted in that little moment before but they remind you of it based on what they say what the way they look the way they the the expression they give so really this is about again self-work self-evaluation really going in to see right what are my triggers what are my emotions mm -hmm. how do i react or respond to my feelings and one of my favorite quotes although i'm sure i've got many one of them is that <laughs> and this is particularly for the men out there but not limited to the men is emotions make wonderful servants but they make terrible masters he tells that to our sons often <clears throat> and it's a very important one because our emotions are the way through which we're able to manifest many powerful things but if we allow them to if we subject ourselves to them and we allow them to be our master they run rampant so it's so important to be the master of your your emotions or feelings yeah. and not the uh, servant of them so that's reframing the disagreements as opportunities to look at what's actually going on. And then the third? You talked about the lens. The, lens. the lens. So that's kind of 2.3. 2 yeah, and then, I, and then I gave the first, which is about okay, identifying so, values. So we've got three there. Yeah, the lens is identify how you in your relationship, sacred union, are viewing your lover. Mm -hmm. What lens is it that you're viewing them through? And once you look at that, you can then almost adjust the energy that you 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 start conversations with, the way you broach difficult subjects, the way you celebrate, the way you share. Really, really monitor and take stock of how you are viewing your lover. And that's, and that's a huge one. Yeah, and remember, it's a mutual practice. You're both looking yes. at each other and communicating with each other. Baby, we're on the same team. I love you. We're on the same team. Let's practice this. Let's treat it as the biggest 
game we've ever played and let's practice this and practice to win the competition. What's next for Meshach and Annabelle? Any big projects coming along? Well, it's, it's about really being able to have more conversations like this, being able to speak to folks that we've never spoken to and really make a difference. We really want to make a difference. In fact, we, when we, prior to getting into this game of intimacy, alchemy and 1% love, we vowed never to share our relationship with outsiders because we didn't want any infiltration of energy to take place. We didn't want any outside influence to come and disrupt things. So we said, no, we're going to keep it to ourselves. But there were a few real serendipitous moments with friends. And we've been asked for many years how we are able to connect the way we do, et cetera, and how we've been together for so long. And we've shared, but actually there were a few serendipitous moments within the last year where we were like, no, we need to start sharing this. So I think ultimately there are many big dreams and goals and aspirations we have, but we want to make a difference to people. And if that is on in conversations like this, or mm -hmm. if it is within our program, the main thing is that people feel like, right, I got something yeah. and they can say, wow, 1% love. I'm actually a 1% lover. Yeah. I'm actually a 1% lover. We want to provide people with something that if we'd had this in year 10, mm. as it is now, and the systems that we've created, we would have got here a lot faster. Yeah. So that's what we want to be able to give to everyone. We initially wanted it for our sons. You know, we're very big on legacy. What do we leave behind? And we just wanted them to know how to talk to people, how to talk to themselves. But to know that we can hand a blueprint and a system that has been tried, tested and works to people all over this planet, mm -hmm. that warms our hearts, that makes us even more passionate. <laughs> Sorry about that. Even more passionate about our message. So that's big. So we want to we want to connect with more people like yourselves all over the world. We want to, you know, we want to do retreats, we want to meet other one percent lovers across the world. Yeah. And just connect and share and grow this community. Where's the best place for people to connect with you? Instagram, yeah. primarily as it stands. We also have our website, which you've obviously mentioned, Brent, which is at which is thespoonestate.com. Oh, hey. so that's the Spoon Estate. So, folks, anyone who's watching, you can see how it's spelt there. That is and, me. I just cut my hair off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then our Instagram handle is at the Spoon Estate with the same spelling: T H E S P W O N E R. S-C-A-T-E. Sorry, Brent. People mowing the lawn outside. I know. It's, My neighbors do it at the worst time, right? It's, it's pitch turn on black the camera. outside. It's, it's 3.40 here. It's pitch black and we've got someone mowing the lawn. <laughs> I, I go, about the time I go to my backyard to try and relax, like I, I enjoy cigars. So when I, when I really need to just tune out for like an hour, like yeah. actually truly take a break, I'll, I'll go have a cigar every now and then and I'll go to my cigar and it might be evening or midday or like, but whenever it's like, it's like magic. I light my cigar to sit down and try and relax. My neighbors like turns on his air compressor and starts doing stuff. And it's, it's just how it happens. Right. It, it, it's not just you guys. It's, it's everywhere. It's amazing. It's another, another day in paradise. Sorry. Sorry guys. And guys, we'll have all of their links down in the show notes or the description, whatever platform you're enjoying this on. I promise we will have ways for you guys to connect with them. I doubt this will be our last crossover. Now, I know this is what you were really concerned about. Who is generally considered the inventor of the motor car? 
and you said Henry Ford, the answer is Carl Benz. No! And, and, and is that of Mercedes-Benz fame? I believe so. I'd have to I'd have to verify that, so don't quote me, but I believe that yeah, that's Mercedes Benz. Okay. So okay. hey, you know what? I if I if I wasn't the guy asking the question, I would have guessed Henry Ford too. Because yeah, in America right. it's it's Henry Ford, right? That's that's what You're we right. always have. Everybody knows. Everybody wins. The Model T, right? Everybody knows that stuff. Now, guys, I want you to take us out. If our audience hears nothing else out of this conversation, what do you want them to take away today? Ready? Yeah, I feel like there's another takeaway. I feel like there's another takeaway. Let's say that, and then we'll add on to it. Okay, ready? Yeah. Three, two, two one. one. The, the grass, grass is greener where you water it. it. I love it. I love it. You guys are it's so cute. You guys are in so much of a sink. <laughs> Guys, thanks for hanging out with us today. Thanks for giving us a chance. I hope you enjoy the show. Be sure and reach out and connect with Meshach and Annabelle. We'll have all that for you. Be better tomorrow because what you do today, and we'll see you on the next one. This has been the Fellable Man Podcast. Your home for everything man, husband, and father. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a show. Head over to www.thefallibleman.com for more content and get your own fallible man gear.